good to be here with you tonight. Very much looking forward, have been looking forward today to this evening and being able to speak to you. And I hope that something that say tonight, something, upon, something about our study tonight will be helpful to you, will be something that you'll latch on to and take home with you and study further and be able to place into your lives as we strive to grow closer to God each and every day. This evening, we're going to talk about the blessing of peace in our life. I've been thinking about this for, for a long time. I, uh, I began a study on this about two years ago now, and it morphed into something completely different, and so I came back to it this past week, and some parts of life made me really convicted that I needed to build a study for myself about peace, and so y'all are going to get to hear it this evening, and I hope that it's beneficial to you tonight. It's a great blessing that we have through Christ Jesus, our Lord. In Philippians chapter 4, verse number 7, it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The first thing I want to notice about this passage is that it's not about peace when life is good. Peace when life is good is normal. That's not something that passes understanding. That's something that we all understand. When life is good and things are going well and our job's going good and our family life is, is clicking along and everything is right in our life, we have a very peaceful life. It's when things are hard that the blessing of God's peace, the peace that surpasses understanding, comes into play in our life. And it's a great gift. And it's a great gift because it's uses, and its uses are it will guard our heart, and it will guard our mind as we go through this life, as we struggle through this life. This world is a, it's a tough place. It's a difficult place. Things happen to us, all different variations and difficulties, and your life's difficulties are different than my life's difficulties. This evening, we don't want to compare and contrast difficulties. That's one thing we definitely don't want to do. We don't want to look at each other and go, well, my life is so much harder than yours, just get over it and be at peace. Your life is easy, because your life may not be easy for you. My life may not be easy for me. But what we all have as Christians is Christ Jesus. And we can all have this peace regardless of what this life is doing to us, what this life has done to us, what this world has done to us to try to break us. The first thing we want to talk about is mentioned in our passage in Philippians chapter 4, and we'll come back to that here in a minute, but it's the avenue of prayer that we are blessed with as Christians. And it's what we're instructed to do in times of trial. Times of difficulty. James chapter 5 verse 13 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. And I love this passage because it talks about our relationship with God. You know, it's very easy to forget about God when life is going really well. We, we just kind of get in a groove and, and we don't... It's easy to, to forget to give him glory, give him praise. And he says, Is anyone happy? Sing songs of praise to God for that joy in your life. 
Is anyone afflicted? Pray. It's a command that we're given. If we're struggling, go to God in prayer. Back in Philippians 4, verse 6 and verse 7, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I know I've probably said this before, but we're really good at taking the beginning of that verse a little too literally. We're anxious for no reason. We, we walk through life and we worry about stuff we can't control. And we worry about what might happen in the future. That's not what he's telling us to do. Instead of being anxious for no reason, there is no reason to be anxious. That's what he's telling us. There, we have, as Christians, no reason to be anxious in this life. Does that mean we're never anxious? No. No, we're anxious far too often. But when we're anxious, we need to be going to our Heavenly Father in prayer, asking Him for His help, letting our requests be made known to Him. And that's how He tells us we receive this peace that passes understanding. Praying allows us to give our cares and our struggles and our difficulties to God. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 through verse number 7 says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. I love how he ties humility into our prayer life and into our life in general. You know, when we go through life and, and it starts hitting us back and, and giving us things to deal with, pride says, I've got this. Pride says, I don't need any help. I don't need anything. I can handle whatever this world has to throw at me. And that's not what we're called to be. God resists the proud. God gives grace to the humble. And that's what we need. We need God's help and we need God's grace. Therefore, be humble. Be willing to go to God in prayer. Be willing to ask for help. Be willing to understand that it's not a good thing to face this life alone. That makes life much harder than God intended for it to be. He wants to help us. So I don't know about you, but as I deal with some of the things in life and I'm praying about those things, I start thinking about Jesus and what he did for me. Start thinking about how he suffered in this life and all the difficult things he went through, the fasting for 40 days. It's just unfathomable for me, the going to the cross for me. And I'm talking to him and to God about the problems that I have in my life. And I'm looking at this and I'm going, this is, this is just silly. Why am I even complaining? Why am I even giving these things to him? They're so small in comparison to what Christ did. And I hope you've never had that thought because that's not what God wants from us. 
He knows that what Jesus went through is probably, definitely greater than anything we have gone through in life. But he still wants us to cast all of our cares on him, no matter how small. If they're a care, if it's a care you have, God wants it. He wants us to pray to him. He wants us to talk to him about those things, those struggles that we go through in our life. All of our cares, no matter how small they may be. It's a great blessing we have that we have Jesus Christ to be a part of our life. That when we pray, he hears our prayers. We pray to God through him. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 14 says, Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of God, grace, sorry, same thing, I guess. Let us come, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus knows. Just like you have a spirit that's dwelling in a physical body that's walking through this life, the spirit of your creator came to this earth and lived in human flesh and suffered temptations and disappointments and hunger and thirst and tiredness and weariness and everything we go through and so much more. And he hears our prayers, and he knows what we need. And because he's there, we have so much help to take advantage of when this life tries to knock us down. We have so much help to aid in having peace in our life. Jesus gives us the example as well in Luke chapter 22. This was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Before he was crucified, he's in the garden praying, and in Luke 22, verse 41, it says, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. This was an extremely difficult time in our Lord and Savior's life. He was dreading having to go to the cross. He, he didn't want to have to go through that pain and that suffering. And he was praying. And he was praying for strength, and he was praying that this cup would pass from him, that he wouldn't have to go through with this. But in the end of that prayer, your will, not mine, be done. It was all about the will of God. Sometimes we're going to have to go through difficulties in this life. Like I said at the beginning, this isn't about not having difficulties. This is about being able to have peace through difficulties. This is about being able to have that peace that surpasses understanding. No matter what this life throws at you, even in the case of Christ, where the cross was right around the corner. want to encourage us 
this evening to not allow the trials of this life to push us away from God. That's what Satan hopes for. He's made a world of darkness, filled with sin, filled with evil, and he's hoping that evil will say, get God's children to throw up their hands and go, I don't understand why God would allow this to happen. He wants us to throw up our hands and go, how could God let this be a part of my life? But God wants it to bring us closer to Him. And God uses it to bring us closer to Him. And I encourage you tonight to don't let the struggles of your life push you further from God. Because that's what Satan wants. But rather allow them to bring you closer to God. And you'll find that in doing that, that's where we find our peace. Another great blessing we have... When it comes to having peace in our life through difficulties is the comfort of a church family. We have a command given in Romans chapter 12, verse number 15, and this was given to the church there at Rome and to our church as well. Romans 12 and 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. This should be our mentality in life. When something good happens to one of our brothers and sisters, We need to rejoice with them. We need to be happy for them. When something bad happens to one of our brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to be able to comfort them, to cry with them, to be there for each other in the ups in life and the downs in life. And there's two sides to this, and one is kind of on an individual basis. We need to be willing to spend time together, to build those relationships with each other. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, the Bible tells us, And let us consider one another to, in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, when life is hard, we turn to those we're closest to, typically. And if we're not close to our church family, we're not going to turn to our church family. And we'll never be close to each other unless we spend time together, unless we put effort into our relationships with each other. We're to prefer spending time together. And we're to consider each other, to stir one another up, to build each other up, to push each other to more love, to more good works. We're to exhort one another, to, to talk to each other, to build those relationships, to be close together. The other side of that is that we need to be the church family that people want to turn to. We need to be the type of people that are encouraging, that are filled with love and good works. Romans chapter 12 talks a lot about the type of church family we should be. Also in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through verse number 3, it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness, gentleness, with longsuffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And I sincerely hope that describes each and every one of us that this is the person we are this is the family that we are 
Because a church family, a good church family is one of the best things you can have when it comes to dealing with struggles and trials in this life. And a judgmental, gossiping family is one of the worst things you can have when dealing with trouble and and strife in this life. We have to build trust with one another. And we do that by putting these things in our life and by spending time together. And I want to encourage us to do that tonight so that when things happen in your life or in my life or in the world around us as a whole, when attacks come, we're ready for them. We have a strong bond that is prepared for whatever this world may throw our direction. Another aspect of our life that really helps with, with our peace, and I had a hard time figuring out what title to put on this, so I just put peace through knowledge. It's, it's really peace through knowledge that the things of this world are not what's important to us as Christians. The things of this life are temporary. This is a tent. This is a temporary body that my soul is dwelling in. And through a study of God's word, that's, that's the knowledge that we get. But it's one of the hardest things to do in this life. You know, this has been one of the, the more interesting studies that I've had to work on because I've, I've just kind of been in a sour mood for about three days. Just been mad. Uh, Ricky's asked me a couple of times this weekend alone if I was mad at him. I'm like, no, Ricky, I'm not mad at you. I'm just, I'm kind of grumpy. I'm sorry. I'll try to put a smile on my face. And so I'm building this sermon on peace, and I'm not at peace. I'm really struggling to have peace in my life. And so I'm trying to implement the things that I'm studying in my life, and it's It's hard. I'm implementing prayer. Thankfully, we had lots of church functions this week that I could go and be a part of and be around my church family. But I was letting this world get to me. I was allowing the things of this life to become more important than the things of eternity. And it was souring my mood. It was keeping me down, keeping me grumpy. It was stealing my peace away from me. I was putting my trust in the wrong things. Where do we put our trust? Satan wants us to put our trust in the things of this world. He wants us to put our trust in ourselves and what we can do and what we can earn and what we can gain for ourselves. He wants us to put our trust in comforts of this life. Just go and enjoy life as much as possible. That doesn't need to be where our trust is. Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 16. Beginning in verse number 19, Jesus says, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. I want us to picture for a moment that these two men are standing in front of us. 
And we have a choice to make. We're going to go have a conversation with one of these individuals. I'll tell you, every single time, I'm choosing the wrong guy. I'm choosing the guy that's not best friends with dogs, that's living homeless, that's full of sores. I'm choosing the guy that looks good. Looks like he may not smell funny. I mean, looks like he had some advice to give me about life that I could use to build some wealth and and give my family a, a better life. Which one do you think we would admire more? We were in Amarillo the other day, and Amarillo is a very interesting place, but there's homeless people walking everywhere. And I look at my children, and I say, don't be lazy. That's what laziness will get you. Am I putting too much emphasis on the things of this life? I don't want my kids to be lazy. I think that's important for them to work and to be active but not to the detriment of their soul. Not to put the things of this life here and the things of eternal life down here. This rich man had everything he could want. It says he fared sumptuously. I cannot think of a more highfalutin way to talk about a guy. I mean, he was living life. Verse 22, so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and you are tormented. I don't believe the teaching of this passage is that if we have any comforts in this life, that we're going to be in torment in the next life. It's not what I think Jesus is trying to get across here. I think what he's telling us is that when we put the priorities of this life above the priorities of the next life, then we will be in torment. You know, as he talked about Lazarus, he said his desire was for the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. That was his great desire was for crumbs. And it would indicate that the rich man never gave him any. It would seem that the rich man never gave him any at very different priorities in life. You know, if I wind up being a beggar someday, I'm probably going to have higher aspirations than just the crumbs. My greatest desires are going to be for more than that. It's going to be for, I don't know, I hope I don't hit that point, I suppose. Where's our priority? Where are we laying up treasures for ourselves? The things that this rich man had in his life, they didn't help him in the next life. Do you think Lazarus would trade? I don't think he would. We read passages like Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 14, written by Solomon, who had pretty much everything he wanted. And he says, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed all is vanity. 
and grasping for the wind. And yet we struggle to understand that the comforts of this life should not be our main concern. Rather, we should focus on being content in whatever state we find ourselves. That's what Paul writes to us in Philippians 4, verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. As you study the life of Paul, I mean, it was all over the place. It was good times, it was hard times, it was good times, it was hard times. And in whatever state he found himself, he was content. Because the things of this life, the things we can gain in this life, were not his concern. He was laying up treasure in heaven. And I encourage us to do so as well. If you want to have peace in your life, that's where your treasure needs to be. Not in the things of this world. So the things of this world are not something that should matter to us. But even harder than that, the things that this world does to us should not be our main concern either. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 12, the Bible tells us, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's not may. It's not at some... It's, sorry, it's not if. It's It's will. We will suffer persecution. You know, there's a principle in, I guess I, I would call it a secular principle, but I think it's a biblical principle as well, that if something is easy, you're not getting better at it. If Christianity is easy for you, you're not getting better at it. I encourage you to study and, and find ways to improve. Because we're told that Christianity comes with persecution. That following Jesus comes with persecution. Jesus said the world hated him and that it would hate us as well. Now as we think about the life of Paul, the world really gave its best shot to breaking Paul. Not only... Uh, it, it persecuted Paul... Paul had an illness that he had to deal with, and yet we find throughout some encouraging words from Paul and some encouraging actions from Paul. In Acts chapter 16, verse 23, when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I can only imagine what the inner prison looked like back then. There's a few movies that I've seen that that's what I picture, just a dark hole with a door and just a miserable, miserable place. And then your feet are in stocks and you can't move. And I love verse 25 for how much is packed in there. It's midnight. They've been beaten. It's late. They're tired. And they're praying and he's singing hymns to God. And not only that, they're uplifting those around them. All the prisoners that could hear them, they're singing too. Sorry, they're listening to them. That was adding to. They're listening to Paul and Silas sing. 
They're being an encouragement. They're showing joy. They're showing peace in their life, even though they're being persecuted. Even though they're going through great difficulty. These things did not shake the fortitude of Paul and Silas. Instead, it strengthened their resolve to serve the Father. Paul also suffered an illness. He talks about a thorn in the flesh that he begged God to remove from him. And we find the answer that Jesus gave him in 2 Corinthians 12, verse number 9. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength... For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses and whatever this life has to throw of me. I take pleasure in those things. For Christ's sake. Because in my weakness, I'm made strong because I have Christ. The strength of Christ comes through me The peace of Christ comes through me and how I suffer through these things and how Paul suffered through these things. We have a choice to make, brothers and sisters. We can allow the things of this life, these infirmities, sicknesses, reproaches, needs, persecutions, we can allow those things to just beat us down, to take the life out of us. Or we can allow them to build us up, to bring us closer to God, to show the power of God to others through how we handle those things. To be strong because we have Christ. All of these things can be used to glorify Christ in our life. Beloved, 1 Peter 4 verse 12, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you, and their part, sorry, on their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. Paul was happy to suffer through the things of this life because Paul knew what was important. Paul knew where to put his focus. And no matter what, in our life as Christians, we have Christ. And we have the blood of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 7 through verse number 8, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Before the foundation of the world, before the world was created, God had a plan to send his son for you and for me. 
And he put that plan into action. You know, sometimes what robs us of our peace is our own sin. It's our own mistakes. We bring it on ourselves. And I'm so grateful that we have the blood of Christ that takes those things away. Is this world a perfect place? It's not even close. And part of the reason it's not perfect is because I'm not perfect. And I'm so grateful that even though I'm not perfect, I have the blood of Christ. That God looks at me and he doesn't see my failures and my mistakes. What he sees is his son. And I can be at peace in my life because he sees his son. 1 John 1 verse 5 through verse number 7, the Bible tells us this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say then that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie, do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. It's a great blessing we have that as long as we're striving to stay in that light, to walk in the light that we're instructed to walk in, to strive for that example that Jesus left for us, we have the blood of Christ. The other thing I want to notice this evening that's important that we see in the life of Paul and that we need to put in our lives that we see instruction of throughout the scriptures to keep the right attitude, to keep the right perspective on our life. Psalm chapter 46 and verse number 10, the Bible tells us to be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know God is God. As we live in this life, it's so easy to forget that God is God. I remember when I was, I believe I was a teenager, I may have been a little bit older, but a very loud, boisterous preacher came to hold a meeting, and he shouted from up here, read Revelations, we win. God wins. We can have peace in knowing that regardless of how dark this world may seem, God is God. He will be exalted. God wins. No matter how much suffering we may have in this life, even if we're Lazarus, filled with sores, with only dogs to be our friend, God wins. Colossians 3, verse number 2 says, Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. What do you look, sorry, what do you see when you look in the mirror? And it's a very, it's a very small idea, but it's been huge in my life. Are we bodies with a soul, or are we souls that have a body? If we change that perspective to recognizing that this is temporary, I am an eternal soul that has to live in this physical, broken 
body. I was watching Elliot walk into church this morning, and he's kind of doing this, and I was hanging his shoulder, and then I started walking into church, and I was kind of doing this and kind of hanging my shoulder because my back hurts, and I'm going, he's three, but he's emulating how I'm walking. My back doesn't hurt that bad. It's just going to get worse as time goes on. When I was young, I looked at myself and thought, I am a body with a soul in it. Almost indestructible. I broke my ankle one time. That's not who we are. We are an eternal soul in a broken body in a broken world. And that needs to be our perspective. And that's where we need to live our life. Recognizing that. And the peace that comes with that is enormous and is beyond our understanding. We have a picture of what happens to us when we focus too much on this world in Mark chapter 4. Jesus had just given the parable of the sower and talked about all the different types of ground that the seed fell onto, the, the thorny ground and the weedy ground. I'm probably getting those together. The rocky ground, the wayside, and the good ground. And he explains what the weedy ground is to us here in Mark chapter 4 and verse number 18. Now, these are the ones sown among the thorns. They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And that's the picture that we have given to us If in our lives as Christians we put the world and the things that happen in this life over our spiritual life, over that eternal perspective that we need to hold on to. Writer of Psalms 119 wrote these words which is a lot like what we've read about from Paul. It is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. Persecutions and difficulties in life, they have a purpose. I hope that we allow them to turn us towards God. We have that responsibility to Him. We have... The responsibility. When life hits us, we have to go to God in prayer. We have to turn to our church family for help. We have to keep that eternal perspective, recognizing that the things of this world are not our main concern. We need to be concerned with the spiritual. And do not ever allow these things to push God away. I hope the study's been good for you this evening. Never like to close a service without offering the invitation of our Lord. There's one in the audience tonight that is struggling with having peace in your life. You're struggling with turning your life over to Christ and allowing Him to take your concerns and your struggles off your hands. And you feel like the prayers of the church would be helpful to you this evening. We would love to pray for you. If there's one that has not started their walk with Christ tonight, that would like to begin a new life in service to God, a new life filled with peace, 
and joy and hope. We would encourage you to make that choice tonight. If you would like to make that choice, we'd ask for you to come and be baptized as we stand and sing.